The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Um, good evening. It's uh, wonderful to be back here on a Monday night. Um, I used to, when I started coming in 1994, uh, when we were still in um, Palo Alto, you know, that, that was my, my night, was Monday night. We used to come here all the time. And, um, and I haven't been back for a while, so it's really nice to see the group like this again. Uh, so being the new year, uh, you know, this is a time that uh, we symbolically make resolutions, you know, that let go of the past. Uh, you know, we kind of think of letting go of the past, unskillful, unhelpful things that we've done in the, in the last year, uh, or unskillful ways of being and letting go of some of that. And we focus our attention on kind of the renewal of uh, what's new, what we can do um, more skillfully and better. Uh, and that's kind of the general attitude of renewal we have. So, I uh, so that's the reason I'm going to go ahead and talk a little bit about those two qualities. Um, the um, Buddhist practice can be seen to have like two different approaches: an approach of letting go, uh, where we let go of all the unskillful parts of us, you know, or anger or greed or um, resentment, all the different uh, parts of our mind that aren't helpful to our happiness. Um, and then the other side of practice is the pra- uh, side of cultivation, of cultivating the qualities of heart and mind uh, that develop tranquility and peace and joy. Um, the heart of Buddhist teaching is that probably the shortest way to say it is that if we cling, we suffer. You know, if we're attached to something, it doesn't matter what it is, that that contraction uh, causes us to suffer, whether it's a little bitty little suffering, like, oh, I wish my bra strap wasn't bugging me right now, you know, (laughs) or or a big suffering, you know, you know, the... Uh, you know, losing a job or, um, you know, getting into a car accident, you know, all the big catastrophes that happen in life. Um, It's not that those things don't hurt, but if we cling to the, and resist the fact that they've happened in our lives, that just adds a lot of suffering to the situation. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about the effort that's needed in working with both of these approaches, the approach of letting go and the approach of cultivation. Um, the Buddha said, um, whatever one thinks about frequently becomes a disposition of one's mind. Okay, so that means that if you think about, um, you know, if you, if you think about, um, let's see, what's something safe to say? Uh, <laughs> Um, you know, how, how much you uh, resent someone over and over and over and over again, you know, your mind, every time you see them, that's where your mind's going to go, right? Um, I like the way that Tanis Rubico puts it. He says, what rut do you want to be in? Okay, meaning that if you think about, um, if you follow certain thoughts, you develop certain habits of mind. Um, 
And we actually create ruts, literally, in our minds. Have you, I don't know how many of you have seen the brain, the human brain, but it's got these grooves in them. You know, and as we get older and as we practice more different things, the grooves get deeper and deeper and deeper. And, uh, and our habits create little grooves. Just like if you learn to play the piano over and over again, there's these little grooves that, that facilitate playing the piano so you get better at it. If you swing a hammer, at first, you know, it's a little awkward. And then as you do it again and again, uh, the, the brain, more the brain, starts getting involved in doing it, and it becomes easier and easier. Any repetitive thought or activity gets facilitated in the brain. The more you do something, the easier it is to do it. Um, So if you indulge yourself in anger, you create an anger rut. If you indulge yourself, if you practice being critical and judgmental, you create a critical judgmental rut. If you develop a mindfulness practice, you get into a mindfulness rut which can be really useful, right? And uh, so, so the question is, is, can we create habits of the mind? So, so what happens, like, let's say, if you have um, an anger rut, as opposed to mindfulness rut, that's much, much stronger, and you see somebody um, uh, do something um, that you don't like, you know, let's say they, um, you watch somebody, you know, spill something on your carpet, you know, and if the anger rut is really facilitated, you're just going to drop right into it. It's right there. But if you have a mindfulness rut, you know, the mind will notice, ah, I didn't like that, you know, but it won't fall into that anger rut. Um, so um, everything we do and everything we think conditions or ruts. Okay, so... So whatever we think about, whatever we do, and, you know, we may sit in meditation and we're developing this nice little concentration, this nice little calm, um, and it's, it can be, you know, for those of us who practice regularly, it can be a really wonderful um, mental rest, a period of, of relaxation and, and tranquility. But if the rest of our other waking hours are spent in uh, thinking in really unskillful ways, um, it kind of works against each other at cross-purposes. So what we want to look at is what kind of ruts are we creating throughout our days? You know, have, you know, have any of you um, looked to buy a car, for instance? You know, um, let's say you finally settle and you're going to, you know, uh, I, I know it's probably a really inordinate amount of Priuses in this group. Right, um, I don't even. I've never looked for one, but I still notice them now because it, there's this little, you know, IMC, you know, Prius fleet. I think. Uh, <laughs> um, but you know, as you start looking for this car, all of a sudden, you know, your mind just starts seeing it everywhere. You know, it's like you may not have realized that there were ten of them on your, str- you know, down the street, uh, but now you start seeing it because you facilitate it just by looking for it. That that groove, it's that quick. It's that quick that we facilitate the mind. You know, the word that's used in neuroscience is plasticity, neuroplasticity. Uh, even as we get older and we think, you know, really stuck in our habits, it's amazing how quickly we can, get, we can develop actually something new. 
So um, in Buddhist practice, we talk about, um, you know, there's, there's this eightfold path, you know, and a lot of people come to the practice and they, they think, they, they focus on the meditation aspect. But as I mentioned, you know, the, the practice is supposed to really uh, engage all of our lives. And um, one of the a- other aspects of the path is what's called right effort. And what right effort is, in essence, is to, if we are having an unhelpful, unwholesome mental state, to let it go. And, um, and to encourage our minds to have wholesome mental states. Uh, it's a very simple um, you know, simple thing, but not necessarily easy to do. Um, so having, letting go of unwholesome mental states is the process of letting go. Letting go of our anger, so of our resentments, um, of greed. When we let go of those unhelpful states very naturally, the helpful states just arise. If you let go of greed, what happens? This nice little state of generosity arises. If we're no longer clinging tightly, those are kind of the natural results. If we let go of um, uh, our our hatred, compassion can arise. Um, So... And the other way around, if we focus on generosity, we cultivate these really wonderful, uh, wholesome states of generosity, of loving kindness, um, you know, then it's much easier to let go. So these two approaches kind of balance each other out. Um, So what do we cling to? And just take a moment and think about what comes to mind. What's the first thing that comes to mind that what do you cling to? So anybody want to mention what, what came to mind? Negative feeling. To a, feel, a negative feeling? Negative feeling. Knowing. Being right. Being right, yeah. Yeah, that's a popular one. <laughs> yes. That you can make your elderly mother. oh, the idea that you can make your elderly mother happy. Yes. The idea that I have to do everything perfectly. The idea that you have to do everything perfectly. Yes. Dwell. Okay, you dwell on you cling to. You cling to not liking or liking how your boss treats you. Not liking, okay. Not liking how your boss treats you. Yes. Planning. Okay, cling to planning. Yes. That you are who you think you are. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So these are all pretty familiar to most of us, right? You know, all the little clingings of our days. Um, and how about doing meditation? How many of you cling to wanting to have a good meditation? Yeah, right. It comes up on occasion, right? <laughs> um, or not wanting to be uncomfortable. Or uh, all the little, not wanting to be sleepy. Um, 
you know, wanting to be clear, all the little clingings. Um, so all the clinging that we have is really wanting something or want, not wanting something. So we're either reaching towards something or pushing something away. Um, you know, maybe we're working on a project with someone, you know, and, um, you know, they're supposed to be a partner and they're not doing their share. And I don't know if you've ever had done something like that with someone. And uh, so, so are we, we're clinging to the idea that they should do their share. That's the fair thing to do. That's the right thing to do. And so we can, if we cling to it, we get unhappy. Now, really think about, you know, does being unhappy add anything useful to the situation? They're already not doing their share, you know, which means you have to do more work. And what, does being unhappy bring anything positive to the situation? Maybe make them feel guilty? That, you know, uh, I don't know. I don't know what, what, what enters, you know, all, all the little games that our minds might enter. Um, but what happens when we're unhappy, we don't respond as good, well to a situation. We don't respond as skillfully because we're too, you know, kind of focused inward on our unhappiness. And instead of being focused outward, well, what can I do here? What can I bring to the situation that's useful, that's helpful? Um, can we let go of, of the unfulfilled desire? That's what's really ironic. It's like when they're not doing their share, you're having an unfulfilled desire. It's a wanting. We're wanting them to be different. Um, you know, can we let go of the idea that they should be different? It doesn't mean that it's fair for them to be different. It just means that letting go of the idea that it should be different, that contraction in our hearts, that, that feeling that life should be fair, that, um, that little extra tightness. You know, we may try various strategies for eliminating stress. You know, for, such as distraction, you know, I'm, I'm sure we're all familiar with all the different distractions these days. You know, we have our little iPhones that we can, you know, read the news, listen to music, you know, when you're in the bathroom, you know, or, or wherever you are, you know, you've got, you've got your little, little distraction machine. Um, or running away, or numbing ourselves, or even, you know, uh, release stress by getting a massage, it can be a really wholesome thing. But those activities don't address the root of, of the issue, the root of stress. And what the root of it is that we actually hold on to our stress. We're actually doing something. It takes more energy to be stressed than to be relaxed. It's something we do. We cling to our positions. We cling to our beliefs. We cling to being right. You know, I remember many years ago, one of my teachers said, um, you know, most of us would rather be right than be loved. Um, when we're tight and contracted and clinging, neither our bodies or our minds can actually deal with the situation well. We suffer when we don't let go. So how do we let go? Have any of you um, experienced, you know, you, you connect with your clinging and you go, okay, here it is, I see it, you know, and let go. 
why aren't you going away? You know, uh, I'm done with being with, with that feeling, and it's still there. You know, it's still there. So, um, so you know, with um, what we're looking at to do with this practice, you know, there's two ways to approach what's difficult. We can approach it with, repre- you know, uh, two extremes to uh, to approach it with. We can approach it with repression, and that's, you know, I don't know if any of you have the stoic tendency, I can handle that, I can deal with that, I can deal with anything. You know, it's kind of a stoic little thing, you don't let anything touch you, you know, and you just kind of push it down, push it away. Or the other side where you get really reactive and you get into fights and you argue and you, you know, and very, very expressive and acting out in ways that sometimes, uh, you know, affects our jobs, affects our relationships in negative ways. And in Buddhism, we have the middle path, neither repressing or acting out, but actually showing up for our feelings, showing up for the difficulties and turning our attention to the difficult to understand it, to allow it to move through us. You know, emotions, you know, um, as, I've, as you've probably heard before, the word emotions means to move through. Emotions come and go. And, um, you know, you don't have the same anger from yesterday. You know, that, that's long, you forgot what you were angry about, right? You know, so what we're looking to do is when emotions arise, to let them come and go whether they're um, negative emotions or positive emotions, to not block them, not stop them, but also not feed them and act, act them out. So it's that, that state of taking these difficult emotions and really understanding them, being present with them, turning towards them. And when we understand that we are actually hurting ourselves with our clinging. And, you know, not intellectually. You know, intellectually you go, yeah, I see that. I see that my resentment is making me unhappy. But, 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 you know. You know so even though we intellectually may understand it, the actual process is a deeper level of understanding. And sometimes it's not so easy to come by. Uh, sometimes it's really clear, you know, you, you just look, you know, you're holding, like for instance, let's say, uh, pay attention right now to, for a moment. How's your body right now? Is there anything in your body right now that's tense? Anything you can just relax a little more. Okay. How many of you found something you could relax? So a number of you. Okay. So letting go is, can be that simple. Oh, okay, I noticed. I just let go a little bit. But when we take some like deep, deep-rooted sufferings that we may have, you know, uh, conditioning that we may have, uh, like for instance, you know, the, um, uh, one of my biggest buttons was always uh, people who are really, um, who like to brag a lot, you know, who just couldn't wait to tell you how great they were. Um, you know, and that was like always the button. The moment somebody showed those characteristics, I would just get really uptight and dislike the person. You know, th- that was, um, I couldn't, you know, and, and I would just kind of, you know, just try doing loving kindness towards the person. And it just didn't seem to work too well. You know, <laughs> um, you know it just would just get all uptight when I saw them, you know. And, um, and then I, says, I started try- not pushing away my, my feeling of, um, 
of really disliking that. And I started turning my attention to it to really begin to understand my, my contraction. I didn't like people to be one up on me, you know, that, that feeling of not wanting, not wanting to um, uh, be shown up, wanting to be the one that's right, you know, all, all, that, all those normal, common neuroses that, that probably many, many people have. And, um, and it was only through actually turning my attention to that process that I finally saw, uh, like, you know, this one particular person I was really struggling with, that, wow, he's really insecure. You know, he's suffering. And, and through that really understanding that on a deeper level, uh, my compassion towards him arose. And, um, you know, and I was able to drop off a little bit of that you know, that dislike, that resentment. It's often really easy to miss that we're clinging because our ideas are so good, right? You know, we, we get this really, you know, you, you, we get really invested in our great ideas and, and, um, and we don't realize that we're actually clinging to them. The idea might still be a great idea, you know, especially when we want to be right. You know, we often have, you know, have some really wonderful thoughts. You know, they're really, they, they might even be right. But there's the quality of, you know, I've got to be right. And we get all caught up in making sure the other person knows we're right. And, um, you know, so it's very easy to miss the clinging because the idea sounds, is sound. You know, so it can be very tricky sometimes to see those aspects of ourselves. Um, so in terms of letting go of clinging, you know, the first thing to let go of clinging is to know that it's there, right? I have to recognize that if we don't know it's there, uh, we're not going to let go of it. The second thing to, that really helps to let go of clinging is to accept that we're clinging. Because, you know, for instance, you know, when I was uh, feeling really resentful towards this guy, you know, um, you know, there was, I recognized it. You know, I could tell I was in a very unwholesome, conflicted state. Uh, but I also thought I shouldn't feel that way. So it was very hard to look at it because mostly I was saying, I shouldn't be feeling this way, I shouldn't be feeling this way. And I kept pushing it away. So accepting the fact, oh, this is just clinging. This is what humans do. Okay. You know, this is, and not adding judgment and criticism to myself that I was clinging. This is just the nature of the mind. I've been conditioned to cling this way. And, um, and so, you know, bringing the attention uh, to recognizing it and accepting it. And then shifting the attention from the story about it. He thinks he's so great to experience of how it feels in my body to be in this conflicted state. You know, to hear that, how, how I feel in this body. So shifting the attention from the story, he shouldn't be that way, to how I'm feeling, how I'm doing right at this moment. And by shifting the attention, you've already let go. You've already let go of the story. It may not, you know, completely heal it. It may not completely, you know, do, you know, do what we would ideally like. But you've already started the process of training the mind to let go. Um, if you've judged yourself harshly for 40 years, 
you're not likely to let go in one meditation session. Um, until a new habit is created. But every time we switch the attention from, um, God, I'm such a failure at this, or whatever negative cycle somebody might be saying to themselves, every time we switch from that to how it feels to be having that thought, what's going on right now, and can I relax into it, can I let go, it starts shifting the ability to begin to let go of that negative thought cycle. Um, Let's take, for instance, procrastination. Uh, Probably a large percentage of this year's resolutions are based on last year's procrastinations. Um, So when we're procrastinating, we're clinging. What are we clinging to? Have any, any of you connect with some procrastination you have in your life? Okay. So what are you clinging to when you procrastinate? The way things are right now. The, the way things are right now. Okay. You, so say a little more. In terms of, I need to get a new car, or I need to um, make some um, some plans to go see my grandmother. I have various various things I need to do, and there's just the, I mean, different things around it. But when it's just like, well, I'm kind of comfortable here, here right now, you know, there's it's kind of uncomfortable. Those things are kind of nagging me, but I'll just, just kind of ignore them. And, yeah. So clinging to the the comfort of the present moment. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yes. You know, go ahead and pass it. Thank you. Um, I cling to the idea that I'm a procrastinator. So, <laughs> so it's like, how am I supposed to do this on time? I'm, I'm not somebody who does things on time. <laughs> great, great. That, that, and that's a really powerful clinging, that idea. Yes. Fear. Fear of not being good enough. Fear of not being good enough, yeah. Yes, yeah, so you don't want to feel the fear. Ah. Is that what's, go- is that what's going on? Um, well, there's fear already that makes me procrastinate. Right. Um, uh, a fear that it, it, it won't be as good if I manifest it. As yeah. in my head. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone else? Yeah. Well, for me, uh, um, procrastination is related with to um, perfectionism. And uh, perfectionism. It perfectionism, has be, yeah. Yeah, perfectionism. And, uh, and uh, also... Uh, uh, Perfect mood, or I'm not in the mood to do that now. So this is a belief that I need to be in the mood. I need to be in the perfect mood to do. Yes. <laughs> and yeah. usually, what I discover is when I start to do that, my mood is changing, and I'm becoming in the mood to do that. So that's crossing this fear of not being in the perfect mood. Great, great. Yeah, not yeah. Thank you. Um, I'd say the aversion to the task. 
the aversion to the task. So the task itself is unpleasant. Now, is the task itself as unpleasant as the idea of the task? I think just the manifestation, kind of what she was saying, of actually carrying out the task and knowing you don't want to. So kind of averting interest in that and then just prolonging it. Yeah, one, one of the things, yes, yeah, one, more. one more. I actually think it's the idea of the task because I've had the experience that, you know, of cleaning a closet or packing up the Christmas presents that have to be sent back and, you know, I just don't want to deal with it. But when I'm actually doing it, if I can just put one foot in front of the other and make my hands move, it's really not so bad. Yeah. That's the idea of it yeah. for me. Great. So, you know, one of the things that I've noticed is that, um, you know, I used to jog, and one of the things that um, I noticed when jogging was that that first minute was always so much harder than the rest of the jog. Um, and, um, And that's the case with most things you procrastinate. And so there's something in the nature of starting something that requires a little bit of extra effort, you know, and effort sometimes can have some unpleasant sides to it. You know, it's like the body has a certain momentum, and that moving out of that momentum, you know, takes a little bit of extra oomph, you know, and it might be a little slightly unpleasant, you know, but, you know, if we're used to doing something, you know, we kind of, we're used to going through that unpleasant phase of the, the first few steps of jogging, or, I mean, first five minutes, <laughs> um, or, or whatever it is that we're, you know, same thing like cleaning out the closet, right? You know, the, that first idea, oh my God, it's this huge project, but once you move beyond that bringing the effort up, which is slightly unpleasant, uh, then it can be very matter-of-fact. So sometimes we procrastinate because we don't like feeling that slight unpleasantness. It's like we tend to avoid what's unpleasant, and it's one of the really wonderful things that happens in this mindfulness practice is that we begin to get comfortable with unpleasant feelings, unpleasant sensations, because they come up, right? And we sit through them. And that practice of, of being with the unpleasant is what allows us to actually face it when it shows up during our day. You know, so if you're procrastinating something, you might want to ask yourself the question, what is it that I don't want to feel right now? You know, and, and see what comes up. It, it be, um, ask yourself, what is it I don't want to feel right now? If you find yourself procrastinating, pushing away what, what, what's next, you know, what is it we don't want to feel? And I'm not looking, for, you know, it's not necessarily an intellectual answer. You know, it might be just a feeling of, the body moving, you know, the body moving from sitting to standing might be just a simple, simple thing like that. Just getting that energy up, you know, can have a slight unpleasant, might, might be really minor. Or it might be, uh, you know, a bigger emotional thing like, oh, God, that means, you know, I'm not going to do it perfect. Like, like he said, many of us have that, you know, we've got to be in the right mood, the right, you know, the, the right, uh, all the stars have to be in the right place, right? <laughs> so... Um, so next I wanted to talk about what happens when we let go. You know, when we let go of an of a unwholesome mental state, we, we reach, for a moment at least, a neutral state. Right? We've let go. We've shown up in the present. But as I said before, you know, whatever the tendencies uh, of our mind are, that's where our mind's going to go. Right? So 
you reach neutral, but if your tendency is to worry, guess what's going to happen? Your mind's going to quickly go right back into worry. Um, if your tendency is to be mindful, your mind will go into mindfulness. So what do we do when we let go? You know, what's the useful thing to do when we let go? We let go. Now, if you're meditating, it's very kind of clear what you do. You kind of go back to the breath or whatever your meditation object is. But how about during the day? What about, let's say, you've been um, sitting at work, you know, really worrying over something. You go, oh, God, I don't need to be so tense about that. And you relax. What do you do with your mind? Yeah, one of the really useful things to do is to really show up in your body and to maintain a connection with your body as you move through your day. Because the body is always in the present. And the body always gives you the clues that my shoulders are up by my ears. Okay, something's going on, I'm holding on to, right? You know, so, so the body's always letting us know what's going on if we pay attention. Right now, is your belly relaxed? Is your face relaxed? So just those little checking-ins in the body as we go through our day is how we keep coming back to ground, to center. The mind wants to engage. The mind, does, you know, the, the mind really likes to do something. You know, I mean, have you noticed in meditation and wants something to do so you'll grab at anything? Um, and in the same way, when you get to neutral, you let go of something, the mind wants to do something. You know, if you go out for a walk, the mind wants to do something. And so if you give it something to do by being present, by bringing your energy, your attention into the present with, with a lot of energy into that moment, uh, then the mind is happy. You know, the mind, uh, it gives the mind something, something to do instead of going back to worry. Uh, so you can bring it into the body, into what you're doing. If you're vacuuming, you know, you can feel your body moving as you're vacuuming. If you're going for a walk, you can, um, you know, enter your senses, you know, listen to the sounds. Uh, see the, uh, you know, what you see through your eyes. Feel the movement of your body. There's a lot to pay attention to. There's a lot of really um, uh, very present, connected feelings you can have uh, instead of going for a beautiful walk and a beautiful day and worrying about something. Um, it's not fun to worry, but yet the mind, it gives some, you know, peop- the mind wants to do something, and if it's used to worrying, that's what it's going to do. So we need to give it something else to do. And so that brings us to the side of cultivation. Um, and I'm going to very briefly talk about the cultivation side. Uh, many of you are familiar with some of the, the formal practices of cultivation, like uh, mindfulness, uh, loving-kindness practice. Um, you know, it's cultivating uh, goodwill towards ourselves, uh, towards the people we, we care about, and actually towards the whole world. It's like a systematic way of developing a lovingness of the heart. Um, or a concentration practice. We'll really focus on, on making the mind one-pointed, which really helps develop a sense of well-being. So both of those practices are ways of cultivating tranquility, peace, loving-kindness, um, 
But during the day, one of the most powerful ways of cultivating uh, those qualities is by being in the body, by shifting our attention. I mean, basically what we do to cultivate is we shift our attention from an unhelpful thought to a helpful thought, right? You know, so if, if you're listening, watching someone and, and your thought is, he's a jerk, you know, maybe you can switch your thought to, well, what can I learn here? <laughs> you know, something, something a little more useful. Um, so if we're worrying, shifting our attention to our bodies is a way of cultivating a sense of presence, of cultivating a sense of tranquility, of peace. So shifting the attention. See, it's, it, it's all thoughts. You know, all this, all our dukkha, all our suffering, it's just a bunch of thoughts. It's a bunch of misguided thoughts, right? You know, so what we want to do is take those thoughts and just start really seeing them for what they are. They're just thoughts, they're not reality. And so those thoughts are not useful. Hey, let's go to these useful thoughts. You know, it's just like any tool. That's what we do. You know, these thoughts are not who we are. That worry that, that says, oh, what if, what if, what if, you know, that, that constant, that's not, that's, not a, uh, that's not who we are. It's just one of these ruts in the brain. Um, so many resentful moments strung together help create a mind that tends to be resentful. Many mindful moments strung together helps create a mind that's easily mindful. So this is what we're doing in this practice. And then one more thing I want to say about this is that um, you know sometimes when we're working with letting go, you know we can notice what we're clinging to a lot. You know, and we, may, we can get a little over-focused on, okay, I'm clinging to that, I'm clinging to that, I've got to let go of that, let go of that. And sometimes we miss all the moments where we have let go. You know, so, so one of the things I want to make sure is, as we talk about this letting go, a part of the cultivation is actually noticing when we're feeling at peace. You know, like if you take any sitting, even if you did a lot of struggling, at least some of those moments were actually okay. They were relaxed. They were to some degree tranquil. So noticing, you know, if, you're, if you get joy petting the dog, notice, notice it. You know, that's a moment of connection. You have joy uh, hugging your friends. Notice that. You know, not just noticing where we're clinging, where we can fix ourselves, but just noticing, noticing the whole flow of it. Um, appreciating the moments of calm, the moments of, of understanding of wisdom. And so I want to end with a very short quote. Um, Life is not about waiting for the storm to pass. It's about learning to dance in the rain. Well, I don't know who said that, but... Um, uh, thank you. And uh, it's been wonderful having this evening together.